Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm here as always with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation and the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, um, every Sunday we read three lessons of Scripture, but right in the middle there, we also recite one of the Psalms. Um, It's the uh, one single book of the Bible that we always hear from every Sunday. Um, And there's such an important part of uh, our worship as Anglicans. Um, It's something also, you know, that we share. uh, I mean, of course, every Christian tradition loves the Psalms, but, you know, particularly the Reformed and Calvinist traditions as well have an amazing history of reciting and singing Psalms. So it's something we really share strongly. People often, your enemies say things that we take, they're really very flattering. They were called uh, Psalm singers. Yeah, yeah, deprecating psalm, singers. psalm singers. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'd, I'd be honored by that title. Indeed. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll typically read one of those psalms um, on Sundays on feasts. It's right between the Old Testament and the first New Testament lesson. Um, you know, we'll call it you know the the, the responsorial psalm. Um, and you know the the, uh, the response to that psalm. Um, actually, you know, typically when we read from the scriptures, we say the word of the Lord or we say the gospel of the Lord, but, um, we don't actually say that in the Psalm. Uh, we, we, will we'll, we have different responses for it. So there's definitely, it occupies a special place in the service, um, where the congregation is, is doing something a little bit different than we are when we're, um, reading the lesson. Um, so, you know, we've talked before about how this is the congregation really responding to what we're hearing. Yeah, so the congregation really... is reading the psalm. That's why we don't say the word of the Lord, because we're the ones reading it. Right. We're, res- <laughs> we're, we're praying that. We're praying right? the psalm. So um, it, it, one of the features of Anglican worship that people who will come will re- see is that sometimes uh, the, the, because of that, it's not always just a straight reading. You know, often uh, we'll have, uh, we'll, you know, this, the, the psalm will be done in unison. Um, it'll kind of go back and forth between the, the priest at the front and, you know, the congregation. Sometimes different methods of going, going back and forth. And it's because of that prayer, that, that, that responsorial part of this. So what I want to talk about today is, you know, what are these ways that we recite the psalms in public um, you know, how do they come about? Why do we do them that way? And, and what can people expect at, at an Anglican service when it comes to the psalm? That's a good point. There are actually four traditional ways that we can deal with our psalms, whether we're praying the daily offices we're built around psalms, or rather we're reading the psalm in our, in our uh, Sunday liturgy. And the first, the easiest one, of course, is what we call in unison. It's called, the, the technical name is direct recitation. It means doing it in unison. And you say, why don't we just do that all the time? Well, there are practical problems with it, is especially when you're doing the daily offices, some songs, are, psalms are pretty long. Even the, the passages we have, we're like in the 2019 prayer book, where some of those psalms are long. And it can be pretty monotonous having everyone read together for long psalms. You know, we can actually can take on a life of its own. Yeah. So it really works uh, for, for shorter psalms. 
uh, can work very, very well. Uh, but when you get a bigger sum, a longer sum, it tends to be more problematic. Yeah, people can kind of get lost in it, right? You know, not really sure, you know, who's the leader? When should I start, you know, a new line and, and that sort of thing. And it, yeah, it does kind of, uh, more than that, it also can can kind of drag and get a little bit wooden. Yeah, it's so it's, um, we normally do unison recitations uh, with short psalms. Okay. The next is responsive recitation. Now, historically, this is the most common way we do psalms in Anglican churches. And so you have the celebrant who will read, let's say, the odd verses and ask the congregation to read the even verses. Or remember that in the prayer books, we have each verse broken into two, into two halves, halves. You know, we have an asterisk. And we might have the uh, celebrant reads the up to the asterisk, and then everyone else completes it. Yeah, and the, the, the second line is often, it's, it's bolded sometimes too, just to set the two off, right? Right. But in the actual prayer book itself, we just have, you see the asterisk, but you can do things in your bulletin to, to make it work better. But that's the, clearly, that was the most popular way uh, for a long time in Anglican churches. And um, one thing that's interesting, it's very, a very practical thing to do if you have a small congregation. See, some of the other things we'll talk about, some can, can break down on you. It can be, you know, it can really break down on you. Whereas this is likely to work in almost any situation. Yeah, yeah. No, I can testify to that. I think especially with a smaller group of people, it can really build the energy um, to go back and forth with, uh, with the, the, the priest or, or, the, or the lector at the front. Yeah. It helps people read too. I mean, frankly, people seem more prepared to read their their uh, their section, you know, if there's a space in between. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. You can just see um, people getting confused if you just keep going after a long period of time. Some people don't read as fast as others do out loud, you know, and it just gives them a time to sort of catch up. Right. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you can kind of reset every uh, every every right. switch. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, so that's, so, so those are, you know, some ways to, to kind of break up the, the monotony of the, you know, just completely univocal recitation there. Now, another way is, uh, if you ever notice in those churches in England and things, you'll often have two sets of, at the very front, beyond the rood screen, you have two different sets of pews facing each other. And this has to do with antiphonal recitation. This is where you go back and forth between two two groups. And that's why they would have them face each other. So you'd see the two groups. It'd be clear who's in which group. And you would have, uh, we can do this in churches by saying, okay, let's, if you have a choir, you could say the, the choir is going to pray the odd verses and everyone else is going to pray the even verses, something like that. You could say the left side, left side of the congregation, you know, or the pulpit side. We'll say at our cathedral, the pulpit side and the musician side is going to say those verses or something like men and women. Okay, so we can divide the congregation, and it's very effective. It's really neat to have the back and forth in churches can be very effective. Now, technically, what you're supposed to do that people sometimes don't realize, if you antiphonal recitation, the tradition is that you want to end with everyone speaking together. So how this was done, one of two ways, is very often a very, a custom going back to the 6th century was ending a psalm with the glory to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit the Gloria Patri, or another is an antiphon. What an antiphon is simply a refrain. 
you know, and you could like start at the beginning and start and have one at the end. You, everyone reads together and then you all and then you all read together again to end on it. And often these, these were chosen as sort of the main theme that you wanted to emphasize in that. So why are we choosing the psalm? You choose a line that would sort of emphasize what the theme is and you'd read at the very beginning, you read at the very end. And something you'd have for that that can really be very effective, for example, in the Book of Common Prayer in the 2019 edition on page 87, we have what's called the Song of Creation. It was back in the 1979 prayer book as well. What it has is it has a beginning part, which is an invocation. Then it has a closing part, which is a doxology. But there are three very, very separate parts in between. There's one part that's on the cosmic order. You know, the God makes the, he- the angels and the heavens, etc. Then we go to the earth and all the creatures of the earth. And then we go to the people of God. And there are, in th- there are three separate sections. There are five seconds total, an invocation, three separate sections, and a close. And what's really nice to do uh, morning prayer is to have everybody read the invocation together and then you have group like group one do the part of the cosmic order and group two do the earth and group three do the people of god and then everybody ends together in unison oh, okay so it's like it's not going verse by verse but kind of block by block block so, by block yeah yeah i feel like i i haven't heard that done uh quite as much but that's that's really good to know that that's an option as well yeah, that particular song of creation is made for this, and it works very effectively. Oh, that's really beautiful. So the antiphonal thing is really just some way of dividing up the congregation um, and then having uh, each side go back and forth as opposed to uh, the leader congregation split. Right. Responsive means leader congregation, whereas this is the same thing except just having one, instead of having one person there, you want to, um, uh, you're going to have two groups. Now, one thing I totally make this work, uh, especially for those of us uh, who are in clergy, is what can really help with your recitations is one of the reasons we, we should talk about this sometime of the role of the choir. Choirs are meant to be facilitators. And so what happens when there's a people's part or something, they should be basically the guy that people say, I do what they do or something. And so what they can do, very important, is there should be somebody who's taking responsibility on the other side. So one thing, when you're the celebrant, you're starting out with verse one, it's easy. You have the mic <laughs> and you're going forward. But, you know, often people wait for somebody else to b- make the first syllable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with a lot to this day in our cathedral, um, I'm there at, uh, at all the services. And, you know, as the bishop's chaplain, you know, and the, and the canon, I'm there. And very often I'm the one in the cathedral who does. I'm the first one to say, Glory to you, Lord Christ. You know, everyone's waiting for somebody else to start, you know, like the response of the gospel reading thing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't wait for anybody else. I'm the one who just jumps out and says it. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so right. it can be somebody's helpful when you have somebody on the other side, have somebody like in your choir or something or the choir director saying, I'm going to count on you to be shouting out on the other side because then people right. feel comfortable. Right, right. So that's, you know, just the person you know has got your back Yeah. Um, to do that. So that's the role of the choir there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, speaking of choir, you know, I mean, it is the case that uh, psalms uh, in certain Anglican churches, you know, it's often more kind of higher church inclined churches, the psalms are still sung. Um, so how does the, how do you get the congregation involved in that, especially when, you know, it's really hard to sing lines that you don't really know um so so how does how does how do you get the congregation involved in singing the psalms 
Well, actually, it's a really great way that was invented from a time when people had trouble with the Latin language. And we still see it used in Tizé. You know, the, the Tizé, a lot of people love those, uh, those hymns from Tizé, and they normally have a refrain. And sometimes the refrain will be in Latin. Uh, and anyone can learn a line. And so what they would do here is they'd have the main person, the main singer, is singing most of the text. But like every, every, every strophe, what you'll have is that uh, then the congregation responds to the one line they know, the one line that's always the same. So they can participate, but they don't have to learn a lot of very elaborate chant. So you can have someone who really is good at the chant doing the main portion, like I do two verses, and then here's where we have the refrain. you know, And then they come in. By the way, that's the reason you might wonder with the invitatory for people who pray morning prayer, why do we have the invite? Right before the invitatory, we always have this sentence. And that's because that's what it's used for. Is the invitatory can typically can be broken down into four pieces. And if you do that, is you know, this is what you throw in in each of those pieces. Oh, I see. Wait, so you mean the opening sentence is the thing that you throw in? To Not the, the opening sentence. Right after that, there's also an antiphon that goes with the invitatory. I see. I see. Yeah. And yeah. they have by the seasons, but you put that in. So, you know, it says, uh, you know, the. Um, uh, you, you start the first, uh, I'm, uh, come sing to the Lord, you know, when we have that. Yeah, Psalm 95. Yeah, Psalm right. 95. So when you have the first part, you know, the Lord, and then you have the Lord is a great God, a king above all gods. That's the second part. Before Between each of those parts, you would sing that antiphon. But it's easy because all the congregation, even if people are new, they have to learn one line and how to sing it. That's easy. Anyone can do that. But when you have somebody d doing more difficult types of, you know, uh, work, it can be hard. There's not really a melody pickup. It can be hard. Okay. Okay. So in this case, it wouldn't necessarily be the congregation doing part of the psalm itself, but with that little responsory that goes into it. Right? Yeah, with the responsory, it's basically, that's what the congregation does. Right. And somebody right. else, normally have a soloist. Because normally it's used when you have some, when you have somebody really doing it well with really good chant. Understood. Understood. And again, if you, th I wish we had a, one of those um, uh, Tizé uh, They love doing this in Tizé, where you get one refrain because it's an international place, you know, where they have people from all over the world. So they want to give them things that everybody could sing. In, sure. In it from, they'll use a, like some very simple Latin, like four or five words of Latin that anyone could learn in a simple melody so they can participate in otherwise very complex songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that I guess maybe that's a um, uh, you know uh, something that you should practice. You should you know practice and make sure everybody's sort of on the same page before going ahead with it. But uh. <laughs> oh, these are actually so simple that uh -huh. you, that you can actually after the first one, people pick it up pretty quick because it's designed to be super simple. So it's learned while doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, and yeah, today, I mean, that's still a that. I mean, that's a. That's that's still something that you know people will get together yeah, weekly to just do Tuesday services, right? Yeah, yeah. There, it's a uh, it's very effective. They really came up with a beautiful way to um, to sing together to really yeah. facilitate participation. And it's the same. Ba so, but you're saying it's the same basic, um, you know, responsorial logic here that it, that you know. I, I guess maybe the, the 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 appeal and the success of Tuesday shows that those um, those forms don't really don't really go out of style very easily, right? They, they work for groups. They work. Um, they yeah. do for any, you know, we don't sing much in common, but, you know, back in my parents' generation, it was very common people to get together and sing. 
Yeah. People yeah. like in England, right up to the war, were singing pubs and things. That was common to do. And very yeah. often they would wor- learn ways to do that that would allow everybody to easily participate and let the real hardcore could do the hard parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen. Anything you'd uh, leave us with, with um, the re- re- how we recite the Psalms in service? Yeah, I think that uh, one thing for a celebrant or someone who's leading the service uh, to do is to make sure that, again, people have different reading speeds. And I think one of the challenges is to make sure we keep it slow enough. Some We have some real speedsters out there who make it very difficult for others to participate. They're reading too fast. Hmm. And but we don't want to seem to drag. And I think a really good celebrant can lead it in a very natural way that still keeps a pace that doesn't too hard for people to read along with. It's very important. Like I tell you, when I tr- used to train out, used to be an acolyte master, and I'd tell them, okay, what's this pace at which you do a procession, a standard procession? It's like this, 1,001, 1,002 for each half step. Every time you move a foot, it's 1,001, 1,000. That's the, that's the perfect yeah. processional pace. So that's what you do. And part of our job is to give the perfect pace for reading the psalm so it doesn't get too fast because some people speed, some drag down, and we need someone who's going to really set a pace, a, a, a manageable pace for everyone, but not dragging and not speeding. Yeah, because the point of this, right, is that we're doing this together. You yes. Know, no, 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 no man left behind. Exactly. Kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, we want everybody to participate in this. Um, so, but while, while also, you know, keeping it, keeping it interesting and, and keeping it lively. Yeah. So I'd say again, the uh, thing we have the, to just sum it up again is what we want, these are such a treasure and we want to make sure they just don't become something we just all read together and, and doesn't, we don't really feel that we, we've um, prayed them. And so that's why we give a variety of ways to do it. And we can have everything from everybody. You can do it in unison sometimes, but we have such, we can have the, the celebrant with everybody else splitting the congregation or sometimes just singing uh, where we have we have a refrain and we have some solos but there are a lot of effective ways to plan this out that people can get the most out of praying the psalms and people have always loved the psalms it's the reason people call the psalm singers well thanks so much father stephen thank you for listening to word and table we'll be back again next week for more on liturgy sacrament and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.